0: This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching all the stomping grounds. You're listening to The Jerry Rat Club Show. It is three years ago today as we're recording this podcast. I'm Chris Graham. It's The Jerry Rat Club Show. And Jerry and I, when we talk talking about three years ago today as we're recording this, it was, it's three years ago. I mean, UVA fans who are listening in you know what I'm referring to. Three years ago was 2019. Today was the day that Virginia basketball won its first national championship, if you want to call it that, uh, from, from the three years ago today perspective. It doesn't seem like, in one sense, it doesn't seem like three years have passed. I, I'm still living in the moment uh, as a UVA alum and fan, and and uh, ever since I was just a little kid. Um, and and Jerry and I are going to spend this podcast kind of sharing some of our, our memories of, of the day, also maybe the time leading up to that. Uh, Jerry, this is going to be a fun one.
1: Absolutely, Chris. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like it was three years ago. And uh, I guess maybe because there's constant reminders <laughs> uh, every time you, you drove, go anywhere in Charlottesville. It's probably the same way in Williamsburg. You see uh, national championship license plates or bumper stickers or hats or shirts, uh, all sorts of memorabilia from that magical moment in Minneapolis. Um It was – yeah, gosh, it seemed like we spent the entire day and night in in the the arena uh, (laughs) football stadium that that day. And, uh, gosh, it brings back a lot of memories, that's for sure, a lot of incredible memories. Uh, One of my most fun ones was that entire tournament. My son and I, uh, just for the heck of it, we drove to all the sites uh, leading up to it, to to Columbia, and then – uh louisville and then on up to uh minneapolis and that was uh uh we spent a lot of time together in a car that's for sure
0: <laughs> i'm sure you yeah and and you know scott german and i made the trip down to columbia together for the first two rounds um and that's a seven hour or something like drive to, there and back um and then you have the whole weekend there and then uh I had to skip the second round. Um, I had an ESPN broadcast weekend assignment. I had already committed to, I hate to admit that I committed to it because the year before Virginia, I I gave up some broadcast assignments ahead of time. You have to commit to these things ahead of time. And the, the loss to UMBC, uh, I had a few weekends with nothing to do. (laughs) So I I committed to these broadcast assignments and I couldn't get out of them. Um, but, uh, Scott, Scott went uh, to, to the Louisville round, uh, uh, and then um, I'm, I was fortunate to be able to make the Final Four um, after having to miss the Sweet 16 in, in Elite Eight rounds. But I had to make that also. I had to do a Friday night baseball game in, in Virginia uh, for ESPN Plus and then get on a plane Saturday morning. And I didn't get into the arena on Saturday for the, for the semifinal game until about five I, – I sat in my seat about five minutes before the tip. I'll never forget that. I sat down. They basically started the game. And, uh, you know, my thinking as, <laughs> as Kyle Guy's shot at the buzzer uh, missed and in the arena, we thought the game was over, at least where I was sitting. You were, you were closer. You were on center court or closer to center court. I was behind one of the baskets. I thought the game was over. And I thought, man, did I just travel all day to watch a loss? And uh, fortunately not, Kyle hit the three free throws and gave us the opportunity to be there Monday for something meaningful. And what a, what a Monday that was.
1: Yeah, my my son and I, uh, Scott, uh, were actually sitting directly behind Kyle Guy when he took that shot. And uh, I thought it was over. Um, My first um, change of mind, I guess, my son, Scott, noticed that, I don't know if anybody could hear the whistle, even though we were that close because the stadium was so loud. But my son noticed something that happened. He says, wait a minute, I think, I think he called a foul. And uh, I was thinking, no way. (laughs) And and certainly that was the call. Uh, The Auburn guy fouled him in the act of hitting, uh, releasing the three-point shot. And uh, uh, everybody knows the outcome of that. It was maybe the most clutch three free throws in NCAA tournament history. Uh, that I think eventually ended up giving Kyle the most outstanding player of the tournament, which I think could have easily just just as easily have gone to uh, DeAndre Hunter for some of the incredible moments he had, particularly in the championship game. But, uh, yeah, that was was bizarre. I mean, uh, it was strange that uh, in in Louisville the week before, uh Scott German was sitting beside of me and and Scott m- my son Radcliffe was sitting in front of us uh right in front of the play uh that sent the game into overtime and I I remember telling Scott German I said uh, uh look they're they're waving uh, I guess it was Todd Jerome told Lomady he, he said you know if he misses tip it out and uh, certainly that's what happened the purdue guy missed the free throw mamadi tipped it out into the backcourt kihei chased it down and made the greatest assist in ncaa tournament history according to jim nance and uh mamadi made the shot and went into overtime and that was one of the best basketball games i've ever seen in my life with carson edwards going crazy for purdue and uh uh the virginia guys so many virginia players had key games in that in that contest but uh my gosh what uh, what an incredible thing uh, it, it, for the both of those things to happen right in front of you uh is something that's frozen in your in your mind for eternity that's for sure
0: i'll tell you about the purdue game uh my baseball game that night that i had to broadcast was a night game so i was able to watch it on watch that game on tv uh, and all I could think as that ball was going slowly in the backcourt was, I cannot believe this ends this way. I mean, and it only took three seconds, maybe three or four seconds. I guess it was five, five point something on the clock uh, for Kia to chase it down and then throw it back and for Mamadi to make the shot. But it was enough time for me to like see the whole basketball season flash in front of my eyes. <laughs> it was one of those kind of moments. Yes. And I'll say this too. I mean, it was, we're not far, you know, a week or so, I guess, uh, ago was the three-year anniversary of of that play in that game. And um, I watched the replays several times that day, the, the three-year anniversary of that. And the same thoughts in my head, you know, I, I can't believe, I mean, it, it, it reminded me of just the the dread of, oh my God, we're not even going to get a shot off. And I, it, 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 I was back there, you know, I was back in that moment, seeing those replays on T on the TV this, this, this past week. So, um yeah what what a what a special tournament run that was the whole way through uh boy i mean go back to the first game jerry we're in columbia at halftime virginia's down by six they were down by 14 at one point in the first half and we've already seen this before we saw it the year before in charlotte when umbc pulled the upset and uh you know scott german sitting beside me we were up elevated uh in the media section there at columbia for the first round games and um you know, I'm trying to, you know, you know, we're reporters, but we're also fans and we, we observe things and everything else. And we want to we want to see this team win. And I, my whole first half was spent trying to convince Scott. OK, Scott, it's OK. They've got it. They've already been through this before. Okay. They know what to do. It'll be fine. So Scott left at halftime to go to the bathroom or something. And when I after an almost an hour of trying to convince Scott, OK, it's going to be OK. Virginia's going to come back and win this game. I, I took a sigh of of breath, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, I was almost in tears. Like, I cannot believe we're going to watch this again. We, I, after ha- after having reassured Scott for all that time, I broke down, and and uh, they came back and won that game convincingly in the second half. So, I mean, there were so many moments in that tournament that were that were so memorable, um, and that's even before we get to the Monday uh, in April.
1: Yeah, my thinking at that game was if Virginia could have caught. Uh, or have uh, reduced Gardner-Webb's lead to less than double digits. By halftime, they were going to be fine if they would settle down, and, and they did, and uh, went on and uh, beat a, a decent Oklahoma team in the next round. Uh, you know,
0: I'll, let me interject. The, the yeah. day of the, the, the Friday, I guess it was, that weekend, when we played Gardner-Webb, um virginia's game was the second game of that session the the missouri uh, uh mississippi played oklahoma in the first game and there weren't many people there at 12 o'clock tip and i'm thinking oh, that's probably typical you know the fans are showing up for the second game and then when fans started showing up they were all wearing black and, and red and that's gardner webb's colors and gardner webb's like an hour away <laughs> yeah, there's their school's an hour away and it seemed like as more and more gardner webb fans filled that place up it, I, you know i joked to scott like i mean, i th- Maybe they let school out today and sent everybody here because that place, by the time the game tipped off, it felt like it was sixty or seventy percent Gardner Webb fans, and it was so loud. And and then they get that fourteen point first half lead, and you know it was it was a tough place to play. I mean, it wasn't like the Purdue game you were at, where it was probably ninety percent Purdue fans, only a couple hours away from from where that regional was being played. But you know, th- th- I think that really says something. Virginia played in some tough environments uh, to get to that final four.
1: Uh, no question. And, and you're right about the Purdue game, uh, the night before when Purdue and Tennessee played, um, there were a lot of Tennessee fans there as well. Uh, and I mean, it, it was overwhelming. The, uh, you, you, there were hardly any Virginia fans there, it seemed like. And, uh, I was telling, uh, maybe Scott, I said, you know, Virginia could be in trouble because, uh, whoever wins this game, it's going to be a gazillion fans from there. It's going to be like a home game. And uh, and it was. I mean, it was uh, an overwhelming uh, crowd. And, uh, I mean, it was loud and uh, rowdy. And uh, and it turned out to be that way the way the next night when Purdue did survive in advance. And their fans were uh, really good. I mean, they it was one of the best – regional crowds I've ever, uh, run into that wasn't named North Carolina or, or, Duke. And, uh, I mean, they were, they were boisterous and, and, uh, they turned out to be great fans though. They, uh, they were great sports after Virginia won that game. Uh, I think, the uh, Virginia and Purdue fan bases, uh, gained a lot of admiration for each other in that, in that contest and have have been that way since, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a very intimidating crowd that Purdue brought to that regional championship that night, and uh, they were treated to, to one of the best games I've ever seen in my career, and um, I'm sure they felt that way as well. And, and you're right, that Gardner Webb crowd was was pretty good considering it was a first round opening game. That was uh, they were they brought their best, that's for sure.
0: They brought their best. They did. You know, I'll, t- I'll say about the Final Four, for, for fans who've never been to a Final Four, e- even in general, like if it's if your team's not playing, I'm sure, that you know, you can still feel the energy. If your team's playing in a Final Four, though, and you have the ability to get to that to that Final Four, do yourself a favor and do so even just once in your life. This is the only Final Four I've ever been to. Hopefully I'll go to some more. Um, Jerry, you've been to a few, uh, more than a few. Um, But for me, this was my first experience. And I'll tell you, semifinal Saturday, um, it's a 70,000 plus seat stadium, 72 or 73 uh, in in Minnesota for that year in US Bank Stadium. And so on that day, you had four fan bases of roughly 18,000 people each, it felt like it was pretty evenly divided. When you put that into context, JPJ holds fifteen thousand. I mean, so this was there were there were as many people rooting for Virginia on Saturday night as there are more than there are in JPJ, and you know how loud JPJ is. Well, every time a basket got scored, you know there were eighteen thousand people cheering in, in those each of those two games. You get to get fr- to get to monday night and it was again it was pretty evenly divided you know except now it was 36-36, 36 36 36,000 people cheering every basket every time anything done positively for texas tech and then 36,000 cheering every time virginia scored a basket or did anything positively on our side and that was for the entire two and a half hours with the overtime included what an environment that was i mean it, it was it, i've never been more alive than i was that day and that night during that game
1: uh, yeah, you're right. I, and, and I have been to a lot of Final Fours, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, bl- I'm blessed to do, blessed to do so. Uh, I followed uh, some Carolina and Duke teams uh, in the past, uh, along with Virginia teams in the past. But that was as good an environment uh, in Minneapolis as I've ever witnessed. And uh, the, the fans were incredible. I, and Virginia fans did show up big time for that game. It was uh, just an amazing turnout. And not just uh, the usuals at JPJ, but uh, for alums from years and years ago and former players. And, uh, it was just incredible. If you go through the hotel lobbies or bars, restaurants, or you know, walking around at the arena, you run into people that you might not have seen for years who went to Virginia, UVA fans, whatever. Uh, they were very representative and, and as strong a cheering crowd <laughs> as I've ever heard. And like I said, I've been to probably a dozen Final Fours and uh, a good as good an environment as you could ever dream of. It was just uh, fantastic. And, and it, it does make you feel alive, no matter how many you've been to or, or haven't been to. Um, if you can't get excited about that, you just don't have a pulse. <laughs>
2: UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boasts one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game.
0: <laughs> for me uh, and my wife, Crystal went with me. She got tickets. Uh, she's a she's a season ticket holder at, for for UVA f- uh, football and, and, and basketball, and so she went along with with with, with me on this trip. And um, we woke up on Monday morning and just said, "Okay, whatever we were going to do, let's just." Go to downtown Minneapolis and hang out. I mean, I, I packed up, took my computer. Um, we were gonna spend the day in downtown Minneapolis because what what you know the game is not until local time in central central's time zone, it was an 8 30 or 8 20 tip. But what were we gonna do all day? I wasn't gonna sit around and work. I wasn't gonna write stories about whatever. It was it was we were there for that purpose. And so we went to downtown um we walked around for a bit and then we found that just by accident we i didn't go looking for this purpose we found the uva team hotel and thought hey this will be a great place to hang out let's see what's going on here went in there and i don't know how many people i mean I, i'm probably overestimating it felt like a thousand or two thousand people were, were hanging out in a lobby. not and it was a big lobby it was almost like a mall yes. type lobby yeah. there but, you know, it was it was so much energy there that I remember, you know, right around lunchtime when when players were coming down to get their box lunches from wherever they were getting their box lunches from like Jack Salt walked by and then he got a standing ovation. Like there were 2000 people standing and cheering and hooting and hollering and, <laughs> and you know. Chase Coleman walks by. I mean, every, every person who walked by with a box lunch in her hand got this huge ovation. I remember having a 10 minute conversation with Teresa Sullivan, the former UVA president. Um, And She was telling me how big of a, uh, she was a stalker. She said of Ty Jerome's like she, she ran into Ty, uh, and, and caught him in the elevator and started talking to him for 10 minutes. And, and then she realized, you know, I better let the young man go. She told me. So it was just, it was like that. You, 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 I ran into people who I see at JPJ regularly, um, who, who had made the trip and boy, that was a fun environment. We stayed there for hours that day. That was a great, great place to be just to kind of burn off the nervous energy
1: yeah it seemed like uh almost anywhere you you went in town you ran into uva people and uh it was amazing i I even ran into some people who followed me on twitter that i'd never met before and it was kind of cool to meet them in person but uh um yeah i mean it was it was like a a huge family reunion (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and everybody was there for the same purpose and uh Everybody was happy and excited. It was uh, one heck of an environment. And uh, uh, what, what a nice way to lead up to uh, yet another thriller-diller championship game After as if Virginia needed anything else to make your blood pressure rise after <laughs> all the previous games in the tournament. Uh, miracle comebacks against Virginia. Uh, Purdue, and then Auburn, and then uh, only to see the Texas Tech game going into overtime. <laughs> wow, um, yeah. That, that must have done well for the uh, cardiac uh, business in Charlottesville afterward, that's for sure. I'll say that,
0: that – so that, that afternoon um, I got to the stadium probably about 4.30 or 4.45 local time, and I, the first thing I noticed – I went to look for my seating assignment. The, the Saturday for the uh, semifinal game – uh, myself and and my intern, our our colleague Zach Peerless, who who joined in in helping write and edit the book that that we produced after the the season, um, Zach and I sat together on Saturday behind one of the baskets. Uh, we were behind, um, I guess it would have been the the, the the basket on the Auburn side, you know where Auburn's bench was. And uh, I noticed when I got there on on Saturday or on Monday, excuse me, that uh, uh, we had one seat there and then one seat on basically center court second row and uh i i felt bad because i was going to have to break the news to zach zach um i'm taking that seat
1: you already (laughs) rules
0: brother i'm the i'm the boss and you're the intern so and and he he was already there when i when i when i walked into the media room and he already he looked at me he, he had a big smile on his face he said You've got a good seat tonight, <laughs> uh, and so for me, you know, if if I never get to go to and cover a an final, especially a final involving Virginia, I mean, I you know, I, I I I saw on a note on that board that said, you know, you know, media can't access the uh, the media section until three hours before tip. So I thought, okay, that's five twenty local time. Let's see, about five twenty one local time, I'm sitting out there. It was me, and I remember Jim Nance and a couple of CBS interns and Jim Nance was telling them stories about how he was once a young intern and there was hardly anybody else out there, but I sat there for the entire time because I'm thinking to myself, I may never get this, this again. So I'm going to sit here for every possible second. I can, except for having to go back to the bathroom a couple of times. I'm here. I'm not leaving.
1: Yeah. I think I was there. Uh, not quite that early, but not long after and it wasn't a whole lot to do. (laughs) Because there's nothing you can write at that point. And uh, so you're just trying to kill time, eat dinner as slowly as you can to make it uh, last longer. And uh, talking to people, running into old colleagues and that you haven't seen in a while. Uh, trying to go out in the crowd a little bit to see if... I ran into uh, a couple of former UVA golfers who were then on the... Uh, I think they were on the... Uh, whatever the tour is below the PGA Uh Tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, well, one of them them is on the tour now. And uh, so uh, it was just fun running into a lot of people and catching up, but um, it all led up to, uh, like we said, another incredible uh, nail-biter. And uh, Virginia fans, I, I don't think we'll ever forget any of those games in the tournament. It was just uh, – uh, I guess the one that gets overlooked a lot is the Oregon game in the Sweet 16. But, uh, uh, you know, you got the feeling that Virginia was going to win that game, and uh, it was close for a little while. But uh, it, once Virginia established a toehold, they uh, they pulled away pretty nicely and it never, never seemed like they were going to lose that game to me.
0: KA Clark hit a couple of big threes in that game and to key that comeback. And I remember talking with uh Coach, you know, we we were talking in a gag. I don't want to pretend like it was just me talking to Coach Bennett. We were talking at, at the uh championship celebration that they, that the um UVA Athletics did in September um of that year at JPJ. What a nice ceremony that was. Yeah. Um, where they raised the banner, gave the guys their rings and that kind of thing. And and Coach Bennett um uh talked for a few minutes about, you know, things in general. And um uh, somebody asked him the question, what was the biggest sh- uh, shot in the NCAA tournament? And actually not even in that Oregon game. He said a Kihei Clark three, he pointed to a Kihei Clark three uh, in the first half of the Gardner-Webb game. Uh, Virginia down 14, uh, uh, Kieh makes a three that cuts it to 11. Then they, you know, they eventually get it down. Like you said, Jerry, they needed to get it down below double digits at halftime. But that three by Kieh was around the four minute mark or so of the first half. And he points to that shot uh, of all the shots. And you think about so many shots. I mean, the, obviously the Diakite play uh, to send the game to overtime in Purdue, those two threes by Kihei in the Oregon game, um, the three free throws by Kyle in the, uh, the Andres, semifinal uh, game.
1: DeAndre's three that sent the uh, Texas Tech game into overtime.
0: And then another three when they were down one with two minutes to go, they gave them the yep. lead and, you yep. know uh, – Uh, Ty hit a couple free throws that extended the lead in the final minute of the overtime. I mean, there were so many big shots. I mean, we've just mentioned like 10, 10 plays that were the biggest play, but to to coach Bennett, it was that three in the Gardner web game by Kihei at that time, the, the freshman and, you know, now maybe a fourth or fifth, it might be a fifth year senior coming up next year for this, this program. But at that time, just the young kid that, you know, earned his playing time by being a ball Hawk and a, a pain in the side of Ty Jerome in practice, and, and the little man came up real big in, in several situations for UVA.
1: Yeah, and uh, another play that uh, just came to memory was it wasn't really a, a basketball play, but as in the Purdue game late in the first half, um, Kyle Guy went down right in front of me with a sprained ankle. He rolled his ankle, and he was writhing in pain there on the court, and it looked bad. And, uh, Dr. I think Dr. David D-Duck, who's on our show a lot from UVA Ortho, uh, came over and, uh, they got him on his feet after a while, took him back into the locker room and, uh, we were thinking, man, uh, this could be a real blow because he he may not come back. I mean, that looked, it looked really bad. Uh, but lo and behold, (laughs) Doc pulled a miracle and, uh, I came back out in the second half, started, and had a heck, heck of a second half uh, to help Virginia win that game. That was uh, that—that's something I'll never forget because it—it it looked really bad, and it turned out uh, that uh, he was able to overcome incredible pain and come back and play well.
0: And you think about it, up until that point, uh, halftime of the Elite Eight game—that's the fourth game that Virginia had played in the tournament. Kyle had, had a
1: horrible tournament.
0: I think he was yes. one, for, what one for.
1: 20 years. something Yeah, some,
0: in, in yeah. the Oklahoma game he he was he only made one shot. Um he he was he was in the doldrums at that stage. He ends up being the most outstanding player. He had a, I think he was 6 for 9 in the second half of the Purdue second half and overtime of the Purdue game and then he has a great final four. Yeah, whatever whatever Dr. D did. <laughs> <laughs> we want to might want to you know have written the notes down, bottle it. Um well, you know, put it out on the internet because uh, we we're, we all can uh benefit from Whatever, whatever they did to not only get, just getting back on the court in the second half, but if Kyle was a different player those last uh, what two and a half games.
1: No question about it. And uh, there's so many moments like that throughout that tournament that that had any of them gone the other way, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't be having this show today. <laughs> no,
0: no, it's I mean, uh, you know,
1: gosh, I mean, it just uh, odd-defying wins, and uh, I mean. They were, You know, Virginia was down 68 to 65 with 22 seconds to go in that Texas Tech game in the championship in regulation time. And, uh, like I said, DeAndre drilled that three-pointer with 12 seconds to go that sent it into, sent it into overtime. Uh, three of his career-high 27 points. What a time to have your career high. He didn't play a very good first half in that game, just like he didn't play a very good first half against Auburn. But in both games, he took over in the second half and uh, dominated. And then then in overtime, uh, Virginia outscored Texas Tech 17-9. And and, uh, even though DeAndre played so well offensively, he also played an incredible defensive game against the Texas Tech's best player, Jarrett Culver. Yes. It went five of 22 shooting in that championship game. I mean, what an overall incredible game Hunter played. Just uh, looking
2: for a great dining experience in Charlottesville, look no further than the Aberdeen barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434 296 three zero
0: you know what I remember about Hunter there was um where where my seat was on media row and plus I I plastered myself there for the whole three hours before the game um when the guys were warming up Hunter uh and I'm trying to think who the other guy was were were practicing shooting over they they used Francisco Cafaro who was redshirting that season but he was you know was on the roster they were practicing shooting over his outstretched arms at the three-point line um, you know, I guess to, to just, you know, simulate, you know, shooting over seven footers. And um, I mean, DeAndre was missing everything. <laughs> I'm watching like, this is not, I mean, you know, it's just warm ups, but still he's missing everything. And first half, he was one for eight from the field. He made his, I think he made his last basket, a little layup you know, in the last minute of the first half and Virginia went in a locker room with that tied room three up three at halftime. He went seven for eight in the second half and he only missed was a shot that was blocked that he picked up the rebound for and, and put back in actually got fouled and made a three point play. Um, you know, he made those, he made a three to send it to, to overtime, the three in overtime, that gave Virginia the lead as it turned out to stay uh, with about two minutes to go. Um, and then on the personal note side, uh, when, so, you know, think about that, that last minute of regulation, Virginia's down one 66, 65, Ty, uh virginia runs the same set both of their last two offensive plays um ty jerome uh with with his the left side of the court all his uh a little pick and roll action uh and he either gets to go to the basket or he kicks it into the corner to a shooter for three the first time ty actually had such an opening i think he went the play was designed to go for the three um but he tie was so open that he actually ended up shooting the little eight foot shot but he couldn't decide whether to bank it or to shoot it straight on. And he kind of split the difference and it hit the back rim, bounced out. The Texas Tech kid, whose name I can't remember, but I do remember he was a 60% foul shooter and they were only going to get one and one. Of course, the guy makes both ends. That's just the way yeah. things work in these games. He makes <laughs> both, he he's calmly swished both ends of the one and one, the 60% shooter. And so Virginia runs the same play. Um, and, you know, if, if not for Texas Tech, they're up three at this point. Uh, if Ty makes a two, they're still up one, and Virginia's got to foul them on the inbounds, get lucky, get a steal. But they overcommitted, uh, Culvert especially overcommitted, uh, and, and try to take the shot away from Ty, and that left DeAndre in that corner wide open. Now, for me, I'm sitting uh, basically behind, I mean, angled towards where I had to look through Jim Nance and the official, to see the play as it, as that play was developing. So all I knew was that someone made a three. I didn't know who made the three until actually we the game stopped and overtime was, you know, set and that kind of thing. And I got to look at the official scorebook, you know, the set broadcast store, scorebook and say, oh, that was DeAndre, because I couldn't see who made it because the referee was in my way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those darn referees. I don't know how many plays I've missed over the years because there's a referee <laughs> standing in the way uh yeah well i mean what a clutch shot and he he made so many of those throughout the tournament yes um
0: he made a big three in the gardner web game too uh when the game yeah. was still like a four or five point game on a three point on a on a fast break that uh, maybe it was a seven point game at, and gave virginia a 10 point lead they called timeout the game never got closer yeah i mean we talked about kihei's big plays deandre definitely um it was that was his coming out party if whatever draft pick he was going into the tournament he became a number four draft pick because of what he did in the NCAA
1: yeah I think the Atlanta Hawks must have had some people there because they fell in love with him big time they they were going to move heaven and earth to draft him in the first round of uh or or have someone else draft him and and make a deal for him but they uh they were not going to allow him to go anywhere else that's for sure and um uh, gosh, he's, you know, he's been a good pro when he's been healthy, too. So, a nice addition to that franchise.
0: He's had a nice stretch um, run here lately since coming back from his most recent in, uh, injury, too. You know, thinking to the overtime, uh, one of my best memories of the overtime is uh, – so, there are two of them, I guess. One is – so, Texas Tech got the game back down to a – um actually, actually, this is the same play. Is They got the game down to a, a five-point game. Um, Virginia made 12 free throws to close that game out. Uh, but the only basket they made after the Hunter three, the only field goal they made from the floor, uh, a, a crafty inbounds play designed uh, by Tony Bennett and the staff. Uh, Braxton Key released uh, and, and was, was no one was covering him deep. And the, the ball went inbounds to him. He went down, ran, and, and dunked it. And, and that cemented the game at that stage. And what I remember, and I've Jerry, I've watched every conceivable replay of this that I can. and I, and I have never seen in the replay what I saw with my own eyes. But but the person chasing the, Braxton wasn't it wasn't a Texas Tech defender. The only the nearest person to Braxton was Kyle Guy. And the dunk went through with about, you know, 10, 12 seconds left, whatever it was. Um and, and Kyle God jumps into Braxton's arms <laughs> because at that point it's, you can finally breathe. Even the UVA fans among us, you know, and me, certainly, you know, me having seen, you know, lots of games uh, you, you know, you, you never want to count a game being over. It's seven points. Now there's not enough time for them to come back. And Kyle jumps into Braxton's arms and Braxton's kind of trying to throw him off. Like, Hey, we got to go back and play defense. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will never forget because that's, that's when we could all, you know, the UVA fans, and I'm sure UVA nation at that stage, we could finally breathe. Now this is really happening right now in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah. And, and even preceding that, uh, how big was Braxton's dunk or excuse me, block shot of the uh, Texas tech, uh, guy there at the end of, uh, he switched uh, on to culvert. He actually asked to switch on to culvert. Yeah. And blocked the shot. Yeah, indeed. What a huge block that was. Um, yeah, it was it was incredible. I think that 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 signal, that was the cigar right there, the victory cigar when he made that dunk, um, that breakaway dunk. I think everybody knew it was locked up at that point. No matter nothing bad could happen, that bad could happen. At that uh, stage, yeah. <laughs> at that stage. And uh it was interesting. Uh most Final Fours uh, I've you know, I've sat in the stands and watched the uh the celebration and stuff. But uh, um, on this particular one, I went out on the floor and uh, started interviewing uh, – wasn't really interviewing the UVA players because they were celebrating and uh, posing for team pictures and cutting down nets and stuff. But I was, I was talking to some other people who were there, like uh, who had made it out on the floor, like Tiki Barber, um, Chris Long, uh gosh, Katie Couric. Uh-huh. Um, several other uh, alumni who were out on the floor just wanting to be part of it and uh, with the confetti coming down and uh, how cool was that I know you've got some stored uh, in your background there and my my son has some of that uh, too Um, and uh, the, the thing I remember probably the most from that celebration being on the floor at the end was when they played uh, One Shining Moment, and uh, I was trying to snap some photos and videos and stuff, and seeing uh, Ty and Kyle and DeAndre sitting together, the three of them, kind of away from the rest of the team uh, who were up on the platform. They were kind of down together. Just watching them uh, watch the, uh, the video of One Shining Moment was really special. Just uh, to see those three guys and, you know, they, they came in together and went out together and uh, brought uh, incredible glory to their school, uh, which that was a moment uh, I think no one will ever forget.
0: I, uh, I'll, I'll skip back just for a second to when Overtime was starting, just, just from a personal perspective. I remember I, I, I tweeted at that moment when, when you know, when, now that we have a couple minutes until the game starts back again, I tweeted that I can barely feel my hands. I couldn't. <laughs> I, my hands were shaking so much that I could not feel them. And I remember reading after the game, you know, pouring through social media. It was probably even the next day because we were so busy writing. I wrote until the sun came up the next morning. That's, that's, that's how I, I was almost falling asleep at the computer writing the next morning. I was writing so much. and But I remember finding a tweet from Jim Ryan's wife, and I, don't, I can't remember her first name. But she had tweeted essentially the same thing around the same time, uh, you know, about how just just how nerve wracking a moment that was. I mean, we were glad to be in overtime, but man, you know, just another one of these is, is, is going to be tough on our hearts here. Like you said a little earlier, Jerry. Um, and then, you know, when the, the final seconds are counting down, DeAndre Hunter, you know, grabs the ball and flips it up in the air as high as he possibly can. Um, right in front of us. I mean, we, we're, we're literally just a few feet away. And, um, then you start seeing the confetti come down and you know, I've never, I've never been in this environment before, you know, we, watching on TV, you see the confetti coming down and then you look up and it's coming down on you. It's on your computer. It's on your head. It's in your head. On, well, I don't have hair, but it's on your, it's in your head. Um, those who have hair, it was in their hair. And, um, you know, then realizing they're quickly like, you know, when, when they take you on TV back to the studio to talk to Jim, you know, the, uh, the group there, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley and all that. Um, they're setting up a stage for, you know, it take, and they're quick, they're working hard to set that stage up in you know three or four minutes. So they can you know, start giving out the, the trophy and that kind of thing. But I'm looking and I'm like, wow, this is actually happening. And I, I remember I won't out anybody by saying names, but I looked down the row and where I was sitting, there were, it, it was sort of the, the, there were a lot of Virginia beat writers uh, where I was sitting. There were, there were probably more down to where you were sitting, Jerry, on the front row but me on the second row, there were a, there were just a bunch of us more, more of the internet folks too. And I looked down and, and I saw, I wasn't the only one who had tears in, in, in his or her eyes. I will just say it that way. Um, you know, we follow the team. I mean, and, and, and I know at least a couple of the folks there are also UVA alums. Um, you know, we're supposed to be impartial and all this kind of stuff, but you know, we, we, we know these guys, you know, we've been, and we had all been through the UMBC thing together. Um, had been through that whole season, you know, so to speak together in a way, in our own way. And uh, you know, if you're, if you've been following this program for however long you have me extra as an alum, and then, and then as a journalist who covers, it was one of those moments like, wow, this is, this is really cool. This is, I'm, I'm so lucky to be here and, and so glad to be here. And then I'm just, so, I'm so naive, Jerry. I, I never having been in an arena for one of those, Actually, when Jim Nance said there just a few feet from us, yeah, and we'll come back and we'll play, you know, we'll do the one shining moment. I'm like, wow, they play that in the arena too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know, and then being able to, I, I didn't watch the video as much as I was watching the guy's reaction to the video. And wow. And I just bring tears in my eyes now thinking about it, how, how, how cool of a just moment that was that moment that went on for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it was.
1: Yeah, it was a long festivity afterward that's for sure. I, you know another thing people don't realize when they cut away from that to commercials or to Sir Charles or whatever, that confetti just keeps coming down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I it mean, stop. <laughs> you can hardly walk on the floor, there was so much confetti, you, you were covered in it. And it's almost like that commercial, I, I don't know who, who what company they represent, but it's a, a reporter climbing a mountain of confetti to try to talk to a coach, yes, yes, yes. buried up to his waist in confetti. It's almost that bad. It is not far <laughs> off. I've seen that commercial this this whole March
0: Madness too, and I thought, yeah, whoever did that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> um, I love then going back in the locker room afterwards, and you know, I mean, we 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 do this all the time. You know, especially after tournament games. Not as much at, at Virginia now. They bring the players out to you in the, in the main media room, but going back to the locker room afterwards and. You know, everybody, you know, you never see bigger smiles on guys' faces. And, you know, remember talking with Jack Saltz and, and you know, he had he had you know, they all had a little piece of a net on their either hat or on their head or something like that. Um, still couldn't get more than two words out of Kihei Clark. I don't think I've heard him say more than like 10 words in four years, but um, he's still, he still he was then a, a very quiet young man still is. Uh, Jason Williford was holding court in one corner. I remember he, he, he looked like, uh, he just won the lottery. Um, what a, what a, what a time that was just being back there with, with everybody, uh, as they were, as they were, um, you know, we're asking them important questions and, and and they're wearing the new hats and t-shirts and everything else. It was, it was a great time.
1: It's funny. You mentioned that uh, about Kie because, uh, I was at Ralph Sampson's uh, ribbon cutting to that ceremony today for, um, uh, his new restaurant in Charlottesville, and uh, the entire basketball team was there and uh, a lot of former athletes at UVA and, and all kinds of other people. But um, Ralph asked Kihei to get up and say a few words for the team uh, as team representative, and Kihei, I think, was taken aback by it. <laughs> he wasn't expecting that. And <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he he did a good job. He did say as few words as he possibly could, but I think that's about as much as you're ever going to get out of Kie in a public moment like that, But uh, which kind of makes me think that he's coming back. If he was there today, I, if he was leaving, I, I, I don't think – I'm not sure he would have even been there, let alone uh, speaking for the team at the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony. But – You know, who who knows? We'll find out hopefully in the coming days.
0: Yeah. Whatever reluctance he had is not reluctance because I don't want to speak for the team because I might not be coming back. It's, I don't like speaking. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I just don't like talking about things. I
1: I, I don't, I don't want to be in the limelight.
0: (laughs) The worst thing you can do is ask K. A. Clark a question about himself. Um, because he doesn't like, he, he doesn't like talking much and he certainly doesn't like talking about himself. So, um, but uh then so I leave you know at some point they kick you out of the locker room they they, they have a cl- actually have a clock back there for those yeah. who've never been in a locker room. They have a 30 minute clock it eventually gets down to zero. even at zero you're still trying to squeeze a question or two in you got to leave eventually they make you leave. Um, and uh, that's when I walk when I walk back on the floor they're starting to sweep up this these mountains of confetti and, um, I had my ACC tournament book bag that we had gotten the nice gift that the, you know, sometimes they give you these nice gifts that at, when you cover these things, the, the ACC tournament that year was in Charlotte, Virginia, lost in the semifinals, uh, to Florida state, a pretty good Florida state team had that book bag. And I thought, you know what, this book bag needs to be filled with that confetti. Um, I'm going to get as, cause they're, they're just throwing it away. They're sweeping it up at this point. Um, and right. so uh, Carolyn Darney was out there, too, at the same time I was. And and we both had the same idea. We're getting as much of this confetti as we possibly can. I'm sure your, your son Scott did, too, um, maybe a little later. And I thought, if they're just going to throw this orange and blue stuff away, um, this is coming home with me. And uh, at this stage, you know, somebody asked me the other day, it was maybe a few weeks ago, um, you know, what 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 would you never part with and and what would it take to get you to part with that thing you would never part with how many millions of dollars would it be Uh, Of everything i have in my possession that confetti is the most valuable thing i wouldn't i wouldn't take any amount i literally wouldn't i wouldn't take any amount of money for it um that's um that's that's special the shoes i was wearing i was wearing some we had a another podcast we recorded today jerry we had mark lorenzoni from ragged mountain running shop i was wearing some running shoes from ragged mountain running shop i retired those shoes those shoes touched the floor (laughs) those are sacred shoes now so uh you know that was everything about that to me um was i mean I, i have the i have the little placard with my name on it from from um the media placard with with my name and augusta free press on it it's it's over here somewhere so you know, yeah, anything about that is iconic. I mean, I treat those like religious relics at this stage.
1: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure everybody walked away from that arena with whatever they could get their hands on. And my yeah. wife,
0: my wife actually, so my wife's in the stands, and she yeah. technically lower level, she would have had great lower level seats for a Minnesota Vikings football game. Not so much for a for a basketball game like, that looks like a posted, a basketball court looks like a postage stamp on a football field. But she had the presence of mind to walk up to, after the game was over, to walk up to uh, the nearest um, um, concession stand, memorabilia stand, and bought, so everybody's got one of these at this stage. You've got the hat, you've got the t-shirt, but for me, and I don't even wear these. This is <laughs> relics. You don't wear relics. I've never, I've never, I've worn the hat once. I've never worn the t-shirt that she bought for me, Now I've got other other versions of them that I've bought since, that I wear of the championship hat and the championship t shirt, but the ones that were purchased in Minneapolis that were there, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not sweating on those things.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a great story. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, gosh, it's it, who knows how much merchandise was bought by Virginia fans that that entire weekend, but uh, uh, it'd be nice to have a percentage of that, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would be nice um and and one one of my last thoughts so I, you you guys probably left the next day jerry because you drove there so you, did you leave the next morning to go back to yeah.
1: yeah we actually uh went downtown and uh looking for uh any kind of uh memorabilia we could we could buy on the way out of town because we knew we'd probably never get another shot at it so we found a, a store with some stuff left and Bought a few souvenirs and um, hit the road ahead of the snowstorm. From what I understand, and uh, yeah, well, I think it snowed like 22 inches that day or something. I think. Well, so
0: it was 70 degrees. So I did the um, the morning of the um, the morning of the championship game. uh, President Ryan did one of his runs with Jim, uh, and uh, where he 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 when he's on grounds back at home, he'll he'll do. I think it's a once a week run where he just He's a I, I, Mark Lowenzoni only told us on a podcast we recorded earlier today about how, how, uh, president Ryan's going to be running the Boston marathon again. He's a very avid runner and a very good, uh, yeah. you know, runner, especially for his age group. Um, and he, he runs Boston every year. And, uh, so he does a run around grounds and invites people, whoever wants to run with him to run with him. And so, uh, we were in Minneapolis that morning and it was, you know, what the weird thing was, it was like 60 degrees at like eight o'clock in the morning in Minneapolis in April. It's, you know, but we're running over a bridge over the Mississippi river. There's snow, like, like there's huge banks of snow, Um, uh, but it's 60 degrees. Um, I remember that afternoon it was in the seventies and I was like, Whoa, this is great weather. So Crystal and I, because I had to fly out late to get to Minneapolis because of my broadcast responsibility, We, she, the cheapest rate she found for us to get home was Wednesday. So we actually stayed an extra day. Um, and it was still 70 something on Tuesday. We, um, we, we went to the mall of America, uh, to to kill some time. Um, I was exhausted. I, I rode until seven the next morning. So we got there about, you know, lunchtime and I just was a zombie. And, um, I, I ran in. We, so as we're walking around, there weren't many people there. We, I ran, I saw a couple older couple, wearing orange and blue. And I thought, hey, I should go say something to them because, you know, hey, we won last night. And I'm walking up to them and saying, wow, what a great weekend this was. They were the wrong orange and blue, Jerry. They were Auburn. <laughs>
1: they they and were orange. Auburn. That's <laughs> a <And laughs> th- so great it, it was, weekend. <laughs> as soon as I saw the logo,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm saying what a great th- weekend this was, seeing orange and blue on there, it, it, behind them. And as soon as I saw said the words, I saw the Auburn logo and I thought, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> they think I'm taunting. them. I'm I'm not taunting you. <laughs> really, I'm not. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the next day we flew out, and uh, we were the la- we we our plane was ten minutes from being the last plane to leave the airport before because the snow was already falling, and it snowed twenty two inches, and we got out of there just in time. We got to Charlotte that night, and it was seventy two in Charlotte, but uh, we barely. In fact, we sat in the plane for an hour as they were de icing and that. You know, I'm not a, I'm a nervous flyer as it is, but a couple of uh fireball shots uh on the plane there, and I was like, just get this damn thing in the air.
1: <laughs> <laughs> get us home. <laughs> That's right. That's a good way to fly. Don't you, don't Very you. helpful. Takes the edge off. But yeah, what uh um, what an incredible run that was, and uh uh I was uh going through some stuff last night and ran into one of our books that we wrote about that uh, team of destiny about the entire season and all the players and kind of years they had all kinds of personal stories. And uh, I remember how, uh, how cool it was that we put that book together at after the tournament. And uh, it was cool. I hope uh, a lot of people still look back on that as one of their cherished items from, from that season.
0: If people only know how hard we worked on that too, we we worked really hard to get it out within about a month. Yeah. And so we were constantly sending things back and forth by email. Here, here's what I wrote. Here's a chapter I wrote. You know, can you read this? And ed- we were editing each other really quickly. And 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 uh, you know, your son Scott, our, our colleague Scott German, uh, Zach Peerless contributed. You and I did a lot of the heavy lifting um it was a labor of love but it was a labor too and um and yeah that was it's one of those things i look look back on with with pride uh that we were able to help tell the story of that team you know we're we're you know you have more more years than me and i I, the years i've got uh, you know scott's got a lot of time invested scott german and your son scott as well have a lot of time invested in uva basketball um you know we're not just folks who who've covered a team for a couple of years because it was a job this is something we've done for a long long time because we love to do it and um you know wh- having read the book many more times than anybody can ever uh, care to think because as you're editing a book you have to read it over and over and over yeah. um i think that i think that love that we put into it showed um because it, it deserved it and uh uh yeah, i'm very proud of the work we did on that and 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 um and, and you know I, I occasionally and I'm sure you do this too Jerry I occasionally get notes from people who maybe just stumbled upon the book and, and just finished reading it and that kind of thing and they'll send a note and say, "Wow, loved what you guys did there and you know it makes me feel like we're we're a small part, a very small part, but uh, you know it was great to be a part of that whole story there
1: yeah you know, if'm if I'm not mistaken, we sold copies of that book in all 50 states, which was shows you how widespread <laughs>
0: Quite a few foreign countries and too, they, yeah, yeah, quite yeah a few. Right, Some
1: foreign countries as well. So that and they're
0: still selling. I mean, it's three years, three years to the day as we're recording this podcast, and books still are still going through Amazon and that kind of thing. So it's awesome that you know that story still has the legs that it does because you know you know Tony Bennett's going to have more success at Virginia. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to you know not just see one banner up, but maybe a couple banners up uh, along with the one that's up there now in JPJ but um, no matter how many banners end up hanging up there, there's always a first and the first is always a special one.
1: Yeah. No question about it. Well,
0: this has been fun, Jerry. I'm glad you, this was a great suggestion uh, that we get together and share these memories. There's so many things, both, you know, the basketball parts, the personal parts, what we saw, the driving there, the flying there. And, you know, there's so much that goes into, you know, that goes into this and, you know, I'll, I'll say, as I'm getting ready to close, I'll say this. I mean, I want to, I mean, I, and I've actually sent an email thanking Tony for this personally, but I want to just say this kind of publicly. Uh, Virginia basketball, I, I'm not much of a traveler. I, I don't like getting out and about. I, I'm a nervous traveler, that kind of thing. But, but man, UVA basketball got me, you, you know, my, my wife's hometown is, is an hour south of Minneapolis. I probably would have never gone. Um, I don't like driving 26 hours or riding in a car for 26 hours. I don't like flying that much. But, you know, UVA is going to be there. Okay, let's go. And I spent the day. In between the semifinals and finals, touring my wife's hometown with her aunt. I mean, I saw where she was born. I saw where she went to kindergarten. Um, Tony, I've gone to New York several times because of Virginia basketball. We're probably going to Vegas this fall because there's a great tournament Virginia basketballs in. Um, I follow Tony's five uh, pillars every day. It's part. It's it's been part of my mental health uh, treatment and rehab, uh, from, from a really bad mental health episode last year. I, I follow those five pillars every day. Uh, um, so Virginia basketball, isn't just a team that I root for. It's, it's really meant a lot to me personally. And, and that's, that's due to Tony Bennett and his staff and all those guys, uh, having the success they do and, and having the impact that they do, uh, on people like me. So, so thanks to, to, to Tony for, for changing the culture and that respect. And, again, it goes just, it, it goes outside the basketball realm to me. It goes into real life, um, uh, with, with, with the, with those pillars and, and, what they, what they, and I would suggest to anybody out there, you know, if, if you, if you're looking for a way to you know, live your life, you know, that what, what Tony teaches his team every day is something that can really make your life a lot better for you.
1: That's very cool. And I'm sure Tony, uh, would love to hear that as well. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you. If he does hear that, it, you know, would be surprised if you got a personal note from him about it, uh, because that's the kind of guy he is. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, it was a special time in, in Virginia athletic history. I, I've covered Virginia since 1982, uh, here in Charlottesville, some before in, in other places, but, um, certainly that's one of the most outstanding stretches of, of athletics that, uh, in my career and something I'll never forget. And being able to spend that much time with my son, uh, in close quarters, <laughs> I can't say they were all good. We had a couple of arguments here and there over his driving or my driving. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, it was certainly a special time. Uh, that's for sure. And, uh, before I forget, I want to thank our sponsors for uh, sponsoring uh, this podcast and all of our podcasts. Greenberry's Coffee, a uh, great sponsor. And please uh, let them know that you appreciate them sponsoring our website and our podcast. Also, UVA Orthopedics and Aberdeen Barn, to get the best steak you, of your life there. Uh, go by and see Angela and her brother and you'll love it. But um thank those people uh, any chance you get because they, uh, without them, we couldn't do what we do. So uh, thanks to them. Hats off to them.
0: Well, thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Jerry. Thanks to you for listening. And um, I'm, I'm humbled to be Chris Graham uh, here, joining Jerry on the Jerry Radcliffe show for everyone who listened. Thank you for tuning in and have a great week.